You're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by IronCompany.com. Today, we thought we would discuss some of the unique traits that shaped world champion athletes, some of which Marty and Jim have uh, seen and experienced firsthand. As you will hear, there are overlapping and foundational similarities that most all athletes possess. However, some of the more unique traits that made these athletes true individuals range from impressive to almost inhuman. And Marty, being around, uh, being in the iron game as, as long as you have, I mean, you've seen, you've lifted with these guys, all sorts of world champion athletes. You're one yourself. Um, you know, you've been around it. You've seen tons of stuff. So hopefully we can really dive into some, some unique characteristics and some good stories here on these guys and what really made them special. What, what made them stand out? What helped shape them as world, world champion athletes? Okay. Well, I think that Jim was the one who kind of came up with this concept. So Jim, you, Go had, ahead, something, Jim. you had something in mind when you, when you brought this to forefront, what were you thinking? I was, I think initially just speaking of intensity, you know, and the intensity that some of these great athletes have had and, and the power, power lifters have had that sets them apart than, than other people, you know, than other, you know, everybody says, Oh, uh, I want to be really good. But when Kirk walks into room to squat, it's, it's like a whole nother level. You know what I mean? And, and I was just thinking about different athletes that are like that. Um, and, and well, I can never think about what athletes were you thinking of? Oh, athletes in general, like oh, the like Mike Webster of the Steelers, right? Yeah, talk about him. Well, flush him out. Yeah, well, Mike was a, basically an undersized. Now, I didn't have lunch, uh, breakfast with him, but Marty did. In uh, right, Marty. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But anyway, Mike, I love reading old stories about these guys. And Mike Webster with the Steelers. Geez, I don't know. He played nineteen years or something. And I became uh, friends with his son, and he told me some of these stories about Webster would be outside in the snow, you know, after walk watching Rocky Four doing lunges with, you know, a barbell 135 <laughs> back through thigh deep snow. You know what I mean? It's just a different kind of guy. Mm -hmm. um, and then the stadium thing, he'd run the stadium after they were done with two hour practices. Back then they hit in practice. <clears throat> You know, and the other Steelers, they didn't want to do that kind of stuff, man. They were like, oh, Mike, you know, but just that kind of dedication and intensity that those guys have. Mike is probably one of those guys. And you say he watched uh, Rocky Four, and that that fired him up to go out and, and in the yeah. snow and work out like and stuff. Like he was still a kid. Like he was still a kid. Yeah. Know? So I, I bet movies and especially music – um, well, music gets us all fired up. And the first thing you think about doing is going and squatting or, or benching or whatever. It just, it's like a one track mind. You get fired up. Boom. It's yeah. something about the gym or, or locking yeah. up. Yeah. So, so he was out working out in the snow, huh? Um, yeah. I mean, those, you know, but, but like I, the example I was given before, and you know, I wasn't around Kirk when he was like, right in the middle of his career was sort of the end of his career, but it's a, it's a feeling in the room almost also along with their personality. It's a, something they give off. It's a, uh, Marty, what am I, what am I thinking of there? 
Well, I think I think that probably it's also a lot of it is in the mind of the beholder. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Kirk probably thought two seconds before he walked into that room, whatever room that room was, at whatever time that was, right? Yeah. But but those that had had what uh, you you already had a vision in your head as to what he was. He was a, a demigod in your eyes. So here he was, here he was in the flesh. And it's the same kind of uh, impact that people have when they meet their, you know, a rock star or somebody that's uh, president, whatever. And so, so much of it is based upon what the, the, what, what the what the person yeah, the, like the preconceived notion, like, yeah exactly like, that, the preconceived image yeah, yeah it, it, exactly so uh, because when you actually get to know these guys they're not I mean yeah but yeah, I'm they, talking about when they're doing their thing what do you mean when doing their thing, you know, thing? when they're when they're at their peak right there when when they're getting ready peak to what peak and they're working out or they're living their life yeah working out peak. working out it's just about where it's about working out yeah. well jim jim what about attention to detail that's one of the things you mentioned that's a if you're a world champion you got to have attention to detail and it sounds like kirk was extreme with that to tell a little bit of that information what uh, you know kirk used to go through with the hands and the oh know, yeah man we go down to train the, we go down and train the guys and man, it'd be 30 minutes for first just the setup, you know, going coming to the bar, hand placement, all that stuff on the squat. Um, and when you why is that? Because there's just some people what's no, that? He thought about it. He thought yeah. he yeah. thought he, he thought about it to that level of detail. Yeah, because it was so important to him. Yeah. Yeah. He's not he's not this is again, this is the difference between you have a lot of gurus out there that are full of reflected knowledge, but they have no direct knowledge. Yeah. And a guy like Korwaski or myself or Steele, um, we have direct knowledge because of how long we've been in the trenches. And there's there's substitute for that. We don't, um, we're not offering up advice based on studies we're offering up advice based upon our own experiences and the experiences of those that we've trained under that we've trained with and that we've trained. And now after half for me, half a century, still what 30 years, uh, JP, you've been, I guess in the game that long. Yeah. 35 Um, years. Yeah. You develop, you develop empirical knowledge. And uh, empiricism is shaped by reality. And the one thing about powerlifting, which is a little bit unique, and it really, uh, it's it's such a short duration sport that it allows for outrageous levels of sight that you would not be able to bring to bear if you were doing something complex like a gymnastic floor. Right, yep, straight line. you something can, that was extended right uh, oh, the shortness, the yeah I'm well it's the shortness of the duration also even right. even with even past the shortness of the duration because olympic lifting is even right. shorter but olympic lifting you cannot bring that level of 
sight to bear because the biomechanical complexity of the of the movement it goes up as yeah as the sport goes up your fire your your ability to get in that blind rage yeah yeah well speaking of that since we're on the karwaski topic talk about his unique psych and his ability to are you firsthand in that man yeah yeah i I don't want to sensationalize it too much i just want to you know because i think that the well, I'm just saying, I think that it's, I think it's easy. It's like everybody says, oh, well, you know, Kirk and his psych. Also, Kirk and his genetics. Well, you know what? Kirk didn't have that great of genetics to begin with. Everybody thought, oh, yeah, Kirk was just genetic. No, no, no. Well, either, yeah, yeah he, had, he had great set of legs on him, but his, his upper body was just a little above average at best, and he worked like hell for a decade to bring up his weak points. And that was, that was the, the strength of Kurwaski. Number one, that he was able to center his existence around one thing. Yes. And number two, that he was brave enough to work on his weak points. Everybody else just works in their strengths. Now, was Kirk able to, to bring a high level of psych to training? Yeah, absolutely. But it was part of his personality. He's naturally kind of a uh, demonstrative guy. He's an outgoing guy. He has a he has an extrovert personality, whereas Cassidy had an introvert personality. But there was no way that you could not say that or that you could determine. Cassidy probably got just as psyched as Kirk was able it's to. Effective. He just whatever worked for him. Well, it was yeah. silent. It was internal. Um, Ed yeah. Cohn's not not a real visual psyker. Um, you know, um, Dan Austin, it appears that he's not even psyching. Same with Gene Bell. And they were great, great psychers. Yeah, yeah, Dan Austin. I remember standing next to him backstage. It's like he's just another day, man. And he went out um, there and, and he yeah. pulled. Yeah, he I, pulled think that was, I think that was maybe a little in your head because I, I worked with a guy. I'm not saying he wasn't intense. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that it, 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 he had a Dan had a very um, stoic, machine-like. He was like he was yeah, like yeah. yeah well yeah and they called uh, Gene Bell Gene the machine yeah but uh, it, it was effortless the, in his deadlift form it was amazing you know it made it look oh, yeah. effortless you know what I mean yeah but how many how many reps went into that perfection oh I know. How many uh, thousands? How many thousands of reps did it he was take? He the best deadlifter in the whole place. He was the most. You know what he was? The prettiest deadlifter in the whole place. Man, his his form was crazy. I remember that. I coached him when he won the outstanding lifter at the nineteen ninety one World Championships in Oiver, Sweden. Right. So, was, and he, I, I coached him when he when he pulled he pulled a seven forty four deadlift in the one sixty five yeah. pound class. That was a world record. Was that IPF? Yeah, that, of that, course. That was at the Worlds or the Nationals? Yeah, the Worlds. Yeah, wow. The World Championships. He won Best Lifter at the World Championships. I coached him right before he goes out for the World Championship deadlift. He were at the chalk in box in front of a packed crowd of a bunch of Swedish weirdos blowing their they had these crazy plastic horns they had <laughs> when they didn't like you they'd boo and they'd and they'd blow horns they didn't all like the americans probably no they didn't like it. so um 
right before we went out, he put his hands out. He said, give me some strength, Marty. I said, oh, my God. So I, you know, gave him some magic voodoo when he went out, pulled the weight. So you shook his hand? Yeah, I grabbed his hands. And then afterwards, I took all the credit. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. And I said, you know, he never would have made that world record without my extra psych. Hey, let me tell you, every, every little thing makes a little difference. Marty. Yeah, he, would have, he would have made it without me, trust me. Marty, was it that, was it that same meet? Was it that same meet you were coaching? Uh, I forget his name, but uh, you were competition coaching uh, one of the guys, and he says, all right, Marty, lay it on me. Oh, and yeah, you're like, yeah. And you're like, what the hell is he talking about? Oh, yeah. No, no, I knew, I knew exactly what he was <laughs> talking about. That was Dave Jacoby. Dave, <clears throat> Dave would uh, – Dave's – coach was a guy named Pep Wall and I think they were from Massillon I think it was Massillon one of the one of the Ohio towns it wasn't Columbus or, or Dayton I can't remember anyway but Pep was Dave's coach but he didn't make it that year so I coached Dave and they, uh, they were quite famous because Dave liked before a really really big attempt like a world record or a lift that really meant something he would have Pep like cracking across the face with a with a, hand, a slap you know yeah uh, really cracking hard too and so that was my job at the world championships and i don't that's not my thing if i were back home i would just say you know you get somebody else to do that i'm not doing that <laughs> but after worlds is the designated world coach i mean i'm the only guy that's allowed to oh. be on the plat platform with a guy and and so it's yeah. like okay so yeah, what I choice gave, did you have? <laughs> yeah, I gave him a crack, and he looked at me, and, and he was like, come on, Marty, this is the World Championships. Get serious. <laughs> oh, man. And he was like calling you European, out, man. He was calling well, you out. Yeah, well, plus the European guys. Like, there were some German guys over there. Did you, like, bitch slap him or something? Yeah, it's like, well, you know, I kind of half-ass slapped him, and the German guys were like, ho, 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 look at you, slap, barely slapped the world champion. <laughs> so I, I hauled back, and I hit him – I hit him so hard, my hand hurt, and it left a it left a red mark in his face, and he was like, "Yeah, that's like it." Oh my god, man! Yeah. See, JP, that's a unique personality, right? <laughs> that is, yeah, totally. And that's what we're talking. That's what that's what I'm talking about. Who, Marty? Who do you think had the 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 craziest external psych? Oh, I would, uh, there's that's we had a. It was a pretty good clown show in powerlifting for a while. Were a you, lot of headbanging on the bar. I oh, remember. yeah. Headbanging yeah. on the bar and your head would bleed. You'd yeah, it did look and it would bleed. Though, man, because the and blood, blood would, be would come down, down, down your forehead. Yeah. yeah. And that would get you in the cover of Powerlifting USA. No, that what they would do is, whereas they were getting ready to squat, you'd have your hands on the bar and they would take the center of their forehead yeah, and they would whack the center knurling of the barbell hard. Yeah, I've done well, that. As a, as a professional wrestler will tell you, there's a spot in the middle of your forehead where if you, like I trained with um, Big John for years. Big John Studd? Yeah. Trained for, and Largo, he had a, in Largo, right? No, he lived in, uh, he lived in Virginia, Burke Lake, um, there was a guy, Mac Richards was a well-to-do guy that lived in Burke Lake and Mac actually introduced John to Chalet's. So, but anyway, get to the point is that John had a callus on his forehead. Yeah. Right. From all the blows. That's where they, they were taught to hit you. They hit you at a certain spot on the forehead yeah. and it, 
really wouldn't hurt you. Well, I guess it would hurt the least. I guess that's the way to put it. So that's where the power lifters learn to hit. They hit that spot uh -huh. on their forehead, make it bleed. Yeah. And eventually they had to ban it. They said, all right, that's enough of that. You know, yeah. then they were whacking each other with a two by four. That was quite the, <laughs> quite the rage for a while. No, they, they you'd bend over and they'd hit you in the head with a two by four. What the because, hell? That is classic. Well, that, was beyond, that was beyond the face slap. It's like, okay, what, what can we you know do? They're going to shoot somebody or something. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, if I could reach far enough with it, I'd I'd get me one of those for you what? guys. Get you, one, <laughs> get you back on track. Um well, you know, anybody anybody can slam their head into the bar and smack each other around with a a uh a two by four, but I think what really matters is the internal psych. Yeah. And yeah, and but so it, and yeah, it's individual though. And uh, Marty, one of the things you, not to keep bringing Kirk up, but he's so unique in so many different ways. Um, one of the things you, you told me backstage, you know, he's getting ready and he's pacing and stuff and listening to music. He worked himself into such a, an internal rage and an emotional, you know, had these emotions, these raw emotions going on that he had tears running down his face. And I think he had he said he had goosebumps and all that stuff. That is internal psych. And I'll tell you what, that is what really makes the difference and, and, and causes you to get out there and perform at a level that might be 5% better or, you know, a little bit, a little bit better than that, but it's the internal. Yeah. So, I mean, What's we're most of these is there a question in there? Yeah, the question is, I mean, there's, you know, I think a lot of these guys were in internal psychers. I think um wasn't Cone an internal psyker. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't yeah, going around Cone, like beating his head into the bar. Yeah, no, no, but I mean again, it's just some some guys are some guys really that worked for them. And, um, you know, that's just the way they were. And, and, yeah, but yeah. again, I think, I think we, I think we're a little remiss to just concentrate on this, this extremely unique little sport of powerlifting because it's, there's, I can't think of any other athletic event that lends itself more toward this sort that of, is, that is true. And I one, told you about, yeah, one burst. You can't do that for a football game. You yeah. can't do that for a rugby match. You can't do sure. that for an MMA match. So, you know, it's, it really is, I don't know, it's, it's yeah, okay, it's good to, to, to bring a good psych on a top well, set of, of, a resist, of a resistance yeah. training workout, and everyone should learn how to do that. But you, equally as important is you have to learn how to decompress as soon as that yeah. psych is over because – Number one, you probably are going to have two or three top sets in a workout that you'll need to psych for each of those. And you can't shoot your psychological wad on the first psych of the workout and have nothing left for the remainder of the workout. So as important as it is to be able to get what a Schwarzenegger called it, psychologically aroused, nice. it's also equally as important to be able to zen out once the effort is over, as soon as that top set is done, as soon as you access that, uh, you know, that to me, it's a mindless state. 
um, some people it's a rage state. I, I don't like to go there. I don't like to tap into negative emotions. I think it has a bad effect on the parasympathetic nervous system. Nice. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, too many of these guys, they get, you see them at every, go to any YMCA or any Gold's Gym or any franchise gym in America at five o'clock in the afternoon, between five in the afternoon and 10 o'clock at night. And look at the gathering of the, the little peacock alpha males as they get over in the free weight section and they start cheering each other on and it's sort of a um, FAUX fog WWE approach to yeah, powerlifting yeah. where everybody I pretends I need some attention and it's great and they have a great time and they draw attention to um, a verbal psych is a great attention gathering device if you want to bring attention to yourself either drop a heavy poundage or scream before you lift yeah. and if that's important to you if you need that attention which a lot of a lot of a lot of guys need that. That's why they go yeah. to the free weight section. That's why they act out. They need to have in those every, eyeballs. That's in every gym. Yeah. That's right. Every gym. But, you, but like I said, the thing is you talk about these stereotypes, and then they, but they still exist. Like people hear yeah. them. They're, yeah. stereo, they're stereotypes for a reason. Because yeah. they have truth to them. I mean, it's, <laughs> but, it's but like, oh, my God, the guy in but, the mask, you know, who yells. Jim. Jim, like I said, I, I think anybody can do that. I think where the world champion psych comes into play is oh, it's different. The, these guys that are just able to, to jack themselves up to, to level 11, 12, you know, like Kirk and all these other guys. And I don't think everybody's got that ability to reach to train themselves to do that. Or I don't think they have the circumstance to be able to do that. The combination, the recipe to have that world champion psych. And I think that makes a big difference. And some people got it and some people don't. Yeah. And, and that's the way it is in all sports too, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, but, uh, you know, you, you talk about, I was just thinking about this when you said that about concentrating and stuff, because like ga game players, you know, like somebody who comes, like I was watching uh, Lawrence Taylor highlights last night. Yeah. I mean, this guy was like crazy good. You know, I watched him live and then they put everything together and, you know, but most of his stuff, the big plays happened on, you know, when the game was on the line mm -hmm. and their ability, if you think about every great player, every great athlete, even, you know, great lift or whatever to come through in the, in the clutch sets him apart. And that's a focus yeah. thing. I think that's a concentration. Yeah. What do you think about that, Marty? Yeah, of course. Um, but it's also an ability thing. <laughs> yeah, no question the talent. But isn't there a way that all, all those athletes have some kind of deeper focus or ability to... Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's what yeah. separates. Yeah, all that's one of the, of the things that separates. Yeah, right. Well, you, know, it's, yeah. you know, the old cliche is, is that, you know, at the highest levels, everybody's big, strong, fast, lean, yeah. has a four, five, 40, and a 40-inch vertical lead. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. So what what separates the guys when they all have that? Well, okay, if they, this ethic. one has a better work ethic, or this one has yeah. a better ability to bring psych, or this one, you know. And, and so those are all mental mental attributes, and yeah, we can agree on that for sure, absolutely. Uh, I would say this. I would say that over time and with repetition, you get better at it. Yeah. 
Experience mm -hmm. is the number one thing when it comes to that. And practice. And yeah. Practice. Right? Yeah. That's right. And, and you know, again, all your preparation. Like every yeah. rep that LT did with Johnny Parker in the weight room and everything that he did extra combined with his talent, combined, you know, all that leads to that, you know, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, how, yeah absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. But I do think that um, I, I don't think you're going to have a, a Lawrence Taylor like ability without a Lawrence Taylor like body to begin with. No, you know right. what I mean? No, no matter how great. good your mind, no matter how, yeah, no matter how good your mindset is, or yeah, no matter how much you want it, you know, uh, you have to have uh, the, the physical tools. Right, mom and, and dad, and he did. Yeah, mom and dad, and he did for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, uh, I knew. But my my friend Dave Ray went to college with him at. Uh, no kidding. Where is that? North North Carolina. Yeah, he was and, crazy uh, good in North Carolina. I mean, yeah, he was there yeah. the whole year in ACC. I mean, he was amazing. Yeah, he was not known as a particularly hard practicer, though. No, no, I don't think he ever was. Yeah, you know, I don't think he was going crazy out there and practicing. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, and he wouldn't turn it up in the weight room either. He no, but I do have a picture of him doing 315 on the clean. Now, maybe great. that was the only time he lifted that year, but he was doing 315. <laughs> That's great. I mean, that That's hip fantastic. So right. I replayed this. Now, I'm a little weird about this kind of stuff, but I'm watching this highlight last night, and I replayed this one play that he made against San Francisco on Montana, and he had two blockers on him, and then he created separation and he saw Montana about eight feet away from him and his closing speed. I played it 12 times for my son last night. I mean, it was the most amazing thing. And I said, that's like a lion. What? He closed on him like a lion. Exactly. And it, it, I was like, where did that go? You know, like what the combination of what, you know, that's what fascinates you. The combination of what inside of him makes that happen, you know? Yeah. And you see it in, uh, yeah, that, that's when a truly great athlete then accesses the psychological be zone. <laughs> they get in the zone, right? Yeah. And they uh, their performance exceeds realistic expectations. Yeah. Uh, I've currently been fascinated by the, the Russian Olympic weightlifter, Yurik Bordanian, who weighing 100 and 79 pounds, snatch 402, and cleaned and jerked 490. What, 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 what? 1980. 1980, okay. Yeah, that's when they didn't go to the Olympics, so we didn't get to see these guys, right? Well, I'm just saying that I don't forget all that. The point all being right. is that, that his lifts would have won the super heavyweight gold medal every year up until 1972. 180-pound man, snatching 402. I think it might be the along with Cone's 400, 900 pound deadlift and Lamar's 688 deadlift. Yeah. I think that uh, Gordanian's 402 snatch, probably the greatest examples of lifting we have um, across all sport. Gordanian uh, apparently appeared to have no sight. Well, I, I would, wouldn't say that. He had that Russian auto suggestion type sight. Yeah, yeah. Where he just um, was very calm and he looked like he was running the movie in his head, running the movie in his yes, head, but, yes. but he, he took forever over the bar. Oh, and yeah, it just was just unbelievable that a guy 180 pounds could snatch 402. The heavy, the super heavyweights didn't break the 400 pound snatch record until, I don't know, 
1972, 1973. And that was Alexiev, right? He's a big dude, man. <laughs> Ken Patera snatched. Ken Patera was actually closer to Alexiev's world record in the snatch than he was his world record in the press. Patera snatched 386. Right. When at the time the record was 396. Right. And Marty, 180, 180 wow. kilos. So just He's unbelievable. American. This, American, which that, was very unusual. Well, yeah, and that, he was the last, really the last great American lifter. Yeah, man, just, we need to do something on him because you have some, you, you know him and all that, right? Or you used to. Yeah, yeah, Ken yeah. Ken and I, yeah, Ken and I had some had some interesting times together. And that's so. some stories right there, uh, JP. <laughs> You've read some of that stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I guess my, my, my point being is that <laughs> the greatest Olympic lifter of all time had a negligible site right it's all internal it was all internal well, it's, it's so concentrated and also the, yes. the complexity of the i mean it's like doing a standing backflip i mean it's it's a very yeah. difficult yes. thing to do a full snatch no question an inch and an inch that amount of weight yeah it's just unbelievable right and, and again it's a, a different flavor of psych i guess that's what that different different yeah. different sports different activities demand different yeah different types of site right and we talked about that um ox and dean's table uh, and that was professor at temple who gave you levels of arousal for each sport oh like you went from powerlifting was number one then second mm -hmm. like at 10 then it was weightlifting and then it was uh, whatever shot put, you know, and it went down to golf. Yes, and, uh, yes, 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 yes. Golf and something else where you or baseball swinging almost or uh, something like that, where you don't want to be fired up at all because of the right. complexity of the skill. Shooting. Yeah. I mean, you just want to be, you know, that you, you can hear how the snipers talk about, you know, relaxing your breath and blowing out at a certain the, time. The, the shooters, a big yeah. problem with the shooters is they were taking beta blockers and they were yeah, trying to squeeze off. Yeah. Well, they were trying to squeeze off their shot between heartbeats. Wow. Yeah. I, had a, I, knew, I knew an Olympic lefter, an Olympic level target shooter, and he clued me in. Also, the guy happened yeah. to be a one it's of the It's in every sport. It's in every yes. sport. They just yes. want to win, man. They just want to win so bad. It's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, everybody thinks like the, the drug stuff is in the – just the sports where you have to get fired up almost, but it's in every every kind of sport. You know, also, I would, now that we bring that up, I would suspect that some of the powerlifting craziness, and not not so much my guys, but some of the, the real extreme stuff might also be rooted in maybe some amphetamine use also, yeah. right? So maybe maybe they're, maybe they're taking a little bit of speed. Was that big at, back at then? The competition. Was, that, that was big. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, it wasn't, epidemic right but there were guys there that swore by it. there were also guys and a lot of this was in bodybuilding that hard as it is to believe they would take like quaaludes and train on it yeah. and i asked one olympia level bodybuilder why he did it he said oh you don't feel the pain right but, that's why new yeah. became so addictive to those guys oh. <laughs> yeah you know, uh, Pete Gromkowski one time told me that um, so I used to work out at Gold's in California, and he, that's where he worked out at. And uh, he, he was telling hard? me, did he work out hard? Well, I mean, he was what he was probably in his sixties. 
Uh, yeah, he was when retired. I heard, he was retired. Yeah, he was just yeah. he was just staying in shape. But he said they used to get um, hypnotized before the yeah, workouts. Pete Siegel. Yeah, Peter Siegel. I worked with him. He was. I mean, I I didn't work with him where I paid him. We talked back and forth. Uh, he did the Barbarian Brothers. He did the Mensers. Did you ever try that, Jim? Did, did, did you ever try hypnosis or anything? Uh, well, I, you know, I've told that story ever since I was in fifth grade. My dad was talking me through visualization, which yeah. isn't, isn't hypnosis, but uh, it's it's a form of that mental uh-huh. deepness, yeah. right, Marty? Yeah. yeah. Or a suggestion, or a visualization, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was no, teaching. He was teaching you the same Soviet technique that I was using from the time I was fourteen. Yeah, and what he would say was, and you're and you're talking about that Russian guy who doesn't psych at all was, I want you to be really calm. Yeah. When you're doing this, you you don't want to mm-hmm. get too fired up when you're doing this. And if you, if you, you know, if you run a perfect play, let's say I'm a defensive lineman, I shed the shed the center, I you know make a tackle in the backfield and all that. And, but if at any point in that movie that you're playing in your head, something goes bad, replay it, start over again. Right. If there's any mistakes made, if something just isn't right, replay it, start over again until it becomes this perfect reel in your head. Right. And, and then, then when you actually are in the situation, you're just, it's like you're, um, doing, you're, you're turning visualization into reality. Yeah. So, so that is a form of psych in the background. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where hypnosis. You it's almost a form of him, hypnosis, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. So, sort of like that. But my dad have, did have a colleague who hypnotized people. My dad said it worked like you can't believe. He could make you cock-a-doodle-doo. He could make you do whatever he wanted. He, my dad said it was unbelievable. He was another professor there at Maryland. But you know what they couldn't do, Jim? What's that? They couldn't make people clean and jerk world records. No, not without the hours put in oh you no, mean no with no no with lifters? hypnosis the, Ru- the russians went all through the whole the russians went through the whole hypnosis thing and yeah. what they determined is yes you can make people do cock-a-doodle do but you can't make them clean and jerk world records you can't make them do more than they're capable of right 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 um, you know you can make them do silly stuff you can make them do things that are contrary to what they would do normally but you can't hypnotize them into doing more than they are physically capable of and in the few instances that they are the people got injured what would a what would a bodybuilder utilize uh, hypnosis for like uh, Grimkowski were they doing it to kind of like mask the pain stupid though that you need to be you know well again it's one of those things where you build before you bodybuild well, you're a, I don't know if Grimkowski was a world champion. I no, mean, no, he was. He was. Like, oh, he was, was a bad he, dude, he, man. He got okay. 2.2% body fat so, in it. He got it measured in a vault and all this. He was a bad dude. Well, he was the. He was actually the first bodybuilder to step on stage at what, 260? Yeah, yeah he was considered he, huge. He, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Sorry. Excuse me. Time out. Ahead, what was it, Marty? 240. He was, he, and he wasn't the first guy. He was the, Pete came up at a time. Uh, he was a, he never won. He, Pete always would be like, like a couple, second. Yeah. yeah, he was, a, yeah, he would do AAU stuff. And Pete was a much better businessman than he was a bodybuilder. Yeah, he got up to 240. Pete was one of these guys. He yeah. looked great standing there. Right. But when he posed right. up, not a lot happened. Right. He was like Franco, the same way with Franco. Franco looked so good when he was just standing there. But other yeah. than his lat spread, not much happened when he posed, right? 
So he was a good, good. He was a good bodybuilder, right? But he was not a great bodybuilder. Yeah, he won like the AAU Universe or something like no, that. No, no, yeah, no. He did. He, he won something. One, he, no, he took yeah. second and third. Oh, all right. So anyway, but he, you know how he got up out in California, JP? As an aside, listen to this. You know how he got out there? He was in Rhode Island. He was running from the mob. <laughs> You know, he's such an interesting guy. What? You know, so there's a book called uh, Muscle, Smoke, and Mirrors. It's a trilogy. <laughs> and this guy delves into everything deeply and bodybuilding-wise. And Grimkowski was in there as a big chapter because his drug regimen would make any lifter in the world look like he was taking just aspirin. I mean, it well, was the you, amazing. Do you, do you know what he told me? So we used to have conversations and stuff. I got to know him a little bit. Uh, always very interesting, tons of stories, but he was telling me, and I don't think I'm saying anything that that's no, it's in, it's in print. not, not public or, or, yeah. or anything I'm not supposed to, but, um, he said like back in the day, and I think this was before he actually bought into the gold's gym, um, franchise and all that stuff. Um, he said he used to do, they used to do experiments on him. And they'd go, he said one time he went in and I, I guess it was the government or somebody was doing experiments on him, but on muscle growth and, yeah. and, and you know, uh, these bodybuilders because they were just got so big. And so they were trying to like study him and figure out, you know, how they differed from uh, Marty, normal Marty, you don't like Krakowski, Marty. But, but, no, but I'm, here, I'm, I'm here. fine with Pete. I'm, I'm fine. I have no problem so, with Pete at all. all right. I like his so, physique when he just was standing there. Yeah. So he says, one time I go down and they hook me into this, this, uh, this contraption and they got electrodes in my head and on my arms and all this stuff. And he says, I hear something behind me. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So he turns around, they got a monkey strapped in the same exact way as him. They're like back to back. They got all these electrodes on. And that was, I don't know what they were studying between the two uh, but but uh that That's is bull crap that didn't happen a monkey, that, a monkey it did it did happen he told me unless he was just bsing oh, yeah, me but i don't know what do you think marty i think that's i think that's one of the ways that uh maybe he made some of his his money early on that's to a, to invest in some different for marty but i gotta tell one more grimkowski story <laughs> so when he was on the run this is all in that book muscle smoke and mirrors and he ends up in California. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't, he left everything in Rhode Island, you know? <laughs> and he would sleep on the beach, right? Yeah. And then he would wait till the McDonald's lunch hour. They threw away all their burgers. You know how you got to throw away burgers if they sit too long? Yeah. And he would climb up in the dumpster and that's what he would do. He would eat burgers, McDonald's burgers all day long. And eventually he got a little job or something. And then now he's, uh, you know, owns his own island or something, you know? Because he became a golds guy, but he 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 uh, was dedicated when he first got out there for sure. Well, and was he bodybuilding at that time when he yeah, was well, going? That's, yeah, well, he was. I think it was a gym business in Rhode Island, so he was a lifter also. Oh, okay. But uh, he got jammed up, so he took off. Um, right. But yeah, so, but eventually he got that offer to become a golds guy. But you know, his chemical stuff. I'm talking about like 50 Anavar at a time, like 10 megs. I mean. And he lists all that. I mean, it's uh, was Jim was walking around. Was the part in there where he he goes to bed with uh, like an IV in him? Yeah, I mean, he did all kind of, and you know, yeah. 
there's a lot of that in bodybuilding, man. You, you but, know. But this is an example, though, of, of a world-class athlete. being. That's an example and yeah. the definition of being all in. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, 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 I disagree, like I disagree right? with the fact no. that he's a world-class athlete. Well, not an athlete. Okay. Not you're right, but you know what I mean. Competitor? No. Competitor. He's a, world-class, he's a world-class statue. And by the way, I'm not I'm not advocating that anybody does any of that or does any drugs or anything. I'm just saying that's an example of a guy who, in his mind, was going to yeah. just do anything possible uh, uh, to get where uh, he uh, wanted uh, to go. Yeah. Well, it's a psychosis. That's a form of psychosis. Yeah, that's right. I, I I disagree. I think that it's a. I think not, it's also. Uh, anyway, it, yeah. Yeah, but see, the problem is, is, is the problem is, is all those guys have some type of psychosis, in my opinion. Meaning, the lengths you have to get to do, the lengths things you have to do to get to that level, you have to be nuts. I mean, the eating, you know, the getting up to three fifty in the off season, and yeah, especially nowadays, taking all these. I mean, you know, you got to, it's your body, do what you want. But it's the diuretics and all this. We just had another guy die, another pro bodybuilder die the other day. But it's a subculture. There's no control over that. So you push it as far as you can and you don't really know what to do. You know, it's all, hey, man, you should do this and you should do that with the stuff, you know, and what? they'll take anything. Those guys will, you know, I'm not saying I'm just, you know, you've been around those guys, Marty. They'll take anything. To, to get a thing that's going to give them an, another strike. And, and Jim, bigorexia is, uh, I know you've heard that term. That's, that's a real thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I definitely don't want to be small. <laughs> so I don't know if that's, right. if that's part of that. And I mean, I cannot even stand looking at men that don't lift weights. I mean, I, it, in my mind, you know, they're just, this, they have a lot of opportunities, man. It's not like the old days yeah. where there were many gyms and you were working, you know, manual labor all the time, getting a gym, man, you look like crap. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's uh, let, let swing back to uh, attention to detail for one second, because we brought it up and I think we kind of just skimmed over it. But it's very interesting. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, you know, when you're going to do a squat, you got to know where to place your feet. And, you know, they should be about that wide and all that. But the extreme side of it, the way a world champion looks at it um you were giving examples of of kirk and some of the the examples you're giving of him are the most extreme that i think i've ever heard from hand placement to uh you know just the rack height and go rack into height, a little right. bit on on world champion type details that you that these guys get into well just you know in my experience with rob wagner who was a world champion and he was a IPF gold medal squatter. Um, you said his rituals or what? Rituals? JB. No. no. What, what, is, what, the, what uh, have you said? I'm sorry. I lost my train. Of thought. No. Uh, it just the attention to detail. Yeah, it's, attention it's, to detail it's extreme yeah. for some of these guys. Yeah. And Wagner could talk to you all day about bar placement. He could talk to you about. I was like, all right, man. I mean, you know, it was an hour ago. But it's, it's that important to him. And then how he saw this one. Ukrainian lifter do this so he he decided to do that I told you he was watching those Russian coaches or Marty or B Bulgarian I don't know but rub their lifters ears man before he before they came out and yeah. he's like yeah yeah I'm gonna do what that, that do? <laughs> well wait I told you we were in Laurel High School I was like a 220 or whatever he was my coach I'd been at Penn for a couple of years and I'd gone down and wait I was coming back up again 
And I was like, yeah, man, can you coach me? And, you know, he, Wags is like very stoic, man. He never acts happy, sad, whatever. He's just like, yeah, man, that'd be good. You know, so he shows up and he's picking my attempts. But, you know, he knows what he does is he, he kept you real calm. You know, he, he was just like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And you got this. And, you know, it was, it was exactly what I needed. But right before I went out to lift, he wanted to get me fired up. And I don't like anybody near me, honestly. I don't like any, you know, you wrap my knees, get the, you know, out of, out of here, you know. And I feel this, <laughs> he's rubbing my earlobe, <laughs> like hard, man. I'm like, man, what the hell are you doing, dude? And he goes, no, 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 it's good, man. The Russians do it. The Russians do it. The Russians do it. It's supposed to irritate you. And that gets you going. I was like, all right, all right. And then I came back after my attempt, I think, and said, I'm good with the ear rub. You know, I don't, I don't need the ear rub anymore. But, uh, you know, they, he had watched that. And he said, I'm testing that out first before I asked yeah. somebody to do it to Yeah, me. I remember that for a while. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Was, uh, that, that was the rage for all. They, they, they have all these um, yeah. kind of fads, right? But they, he never even told me he was going to do it. He just started rolling. I was like, what the hell, man? But you know, we you know, we give seminars. It always cracks me up, man, when people just I see a personal trainer teach a squat for the first time and it's two minutes. Dude, I'm talking about hours. Hours. And Wagner taught me that, man. And it's you know, the same way Marty was getting taught by Cassidy with all these little intricacies that involved it. And, and Wags was obsessed with foot placement for your body type. He wrote a big article in Powerlifter in USA about it. He fixed my stance in like five minutes, man. He widened me out a little bit. I was the way I'm built. I got to really lean to get the bar over the middle of my foot. My stance was too narrow. So when he widened my stance out, it brought me more in balance, you know, over the middle of my foot. And I didn't have to lean as much. It was more straight up and down. Right, right, and, right. and I remember I did 505, nothing on, you know, just shorts and a t-shirt. And I hadn't done that in a while. I was coming back up in body weight and everything. Uh, and I called him and I said, I, I don't know. You're like a genius, dude. How did, you know, it was just experience of him doing that. And that's what he figured out about his squat, Marty. Right. He needs to go down fast. He needs to be, you know, I don't know. I think he was six inches apart, but 12 inches apart, you know, to, to maximize his leverages. And he could talk about that all day long. All day yeah. Long. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and he, was, um, he was unique in that. Um, he he created his own stylistic archetypes. Yeah, and he really didn't pay attention. I tell you, I wrote an article on this for somebody the other day, and they were talking about Tom Platts. Platts was also another one. He self invented himself. Yes, he happened, he happened yeah. to create a squat technique that yeah. maximally built legs. Had a lot of. It was very narrow. With a lot yeah. of forward knee, knee travel, yeah. Which, as it turns out, was ideal for building thigh muscles. Yeah, and he, uh, he learned from those Olympic lifters, right, Marty, in Detroit. He learned from those. He, uh, yeah, and he was a, he was a pretty good little power lifter for a while. Uh, he squatted eight hundred. He said he said he squatted eight hundred. I, I don't remember that. Um, so he and Hatfield had a squat off. Oh well, that was later. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. when he oh, was okay. a kid. Yeah. He, oh no! He, okay. was, yeah. he was from Michigan, and he yeah. trained at the powerhouse, the original powerhouse gym up there. William Davish. The Davish's Davish, yeah. And um, that's where he got got an early start. I just saw a picture of him the other day when he just started bodybuilding, and very small, 
Oh, I know, upper, man. Upper body with good, good legs, but not okay, but not great, not, not great. Yeah, you would not picture this guy. As, this guy's going to have the greatest legs of all time. It's like, you know, uh, but you know what Platt's I do. Platts is another one who talk about psych. His thing oh, is uh, the ability to stroll into the pain zone. Yes, and stay there, and stay there for rep after rep. And his expression is five more reps. If somebody said that to me, I'd say, man, what are you talking about? Five more. I got one more rep. Do one rep at a time. Now, if we get to five, if we get to five, that's cool. But don't give me that. Hey, man, you got to do five. I mean, maybe you got two more. You got two more. Now, if I get two, I can get three. But five? <laughs> five more well, reps. Yeah. This, is, this is if you're a, a 500 squatter, right? You're handling 250. Yeah. Right. But you're doing it for, what, 30 reps, right? Yeah, I mean, he, the, his thing is an extended set. He he's just going to talk you through verbally, yeah, using the power of persuasion. Yes, and it's keep you going. Yeah. And then at the end of it, he goes, "Now see, see, you had a lot more in you than you thought yeah. you had." It's like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's right. But yeah. you know, I, I don't necessarily know that you're going to be able to draw that up when you were back in your own home gym by yourself, if you have Tom Platt standing next to you, yes, then yeah, I imagine you can take a weight that you normally handle for 10 and do it for 20, which is what we used to do in our breathing squats. Yes. Take a weight you can handle for 10 and then yes. somehow or another do it for 20. And if you stand there long enough between yes. a rep, guess what? You can get another rep. Yeah. You might have to stand there and get 10 breaths by the time you, well, but you know, by the end of a, yeah. a 20 rep set, you might be standing there and huffing 10 breaths because you're shaking. Yeah. But Dude, you're not a sort of, and that you're was sort so of the rite of passage, right? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with it too, man. I did it too. Yeah. I think everybody should do 20 rep squats, man. It tests you as a person. Right. It tests you right. as a person. I saw Rob Wagner do 405 for 20. In a row, he was under, he was like 187. And, right. you know, he never, nobody ever said he squatted high. He, he, right. he banged those out. So I had to go to the gym. I did 21. And I was, <laughs> but he was, he weighed 50 pounds less than me. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And, and he was one of the greatest squatters in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's something about that type of training. I don't know what it is, man. It's a toughness thing. It's a mental yep strengthening thing Carilla calls, calls it improving the bodybuilder's mental acuity yeah it does make the ability to withstand pain if you've yeah. done sets of eight for a long period of time and and then you go do 20s your legs are going to grow man that adaptation happens well you can't on that, stay there forever though you can't stay there forever on that 20 if you're doing 20 with squats or let's talk about squats because that's like the hardest thing to do so uh, that's bringing, that's causing you to such pain. Uh, you get 15, 16, and you're just screaming. That's a you're, awesome feeling. You're, the, the mind-muscle connection is there. You really don't have a choice on that you're at that point. You're automatically doing it. You know what I mean? Psych. If yeah. You have to incorporate psych. You have to incorporate so many oh, things man. to get Marty, through that hell yeah. that you've yeah. been, been brought into, you know? Yeah. So, Marty, there was this uh, kid I coached at Penn. He's a famous surgeon now, neurosurgeon. He was just a regular student. It's Mike. Hi, Mike. What's up, buddy? 
anyway, this it, it turns out okay, I guess. But uh, he's not going to listen to this. But anyway, so Mike was a regular student. He was like the head of the weightlifting club or whatever. And uh, I was training him on, on the side. He just wanted help. He wasn't paying me or anything. Just a regular kid, but smart, like ridiculous. You know, he's a neurosurgeon. Right. So I got him up to. He's a brain surgeon. He's smart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he comes from a family nobody ever went to college. Anyway, it's an amazing story. But I trained him for a little while. He got a lot bigger, a lot stronger. But I think he did 295 for 20 pretty easy, right? I got him up to 295 for 20. And I said, next week, Monday night, man, you got, you got 300. He got to the 19th rep <laughs> and didn't get 20. And uh, I swear to God, I don't care if he's a neurosurgeon of, you know, I still look down upon him. <laughs> oh, man. In my brain, I can't help it. <laughs> You couldn't get 20? You got well, 19. I would have done a good morning. You know, I mean, I would have done anything. To that's get what you should say. Every, that should be the first words out of your mouth every time he contacts you. Couldn't you, you get 20? 20? Let's say that. And he'll know exactly listen, what he's talking I, I forget. About. I, I used to remember reps that my kids missed that I coached for years. <laughs> for years. You know, and I, I used to say, man, he's such a wussy, man. And then... <laughs> And then maybe he came back the next year and did this. But I used to bring that up to kids. You know, remember when you uh -huh. were soft as hell? Remember how yeah. soft you used to be? Uh. You could have taken films when you walked in with that slouch ass posture uh -huh. and, and not looking anybody in the eye. Not look at you, man. You're a man now. Now you know how to do things, you know? <laughs> so you put them down and bring them up. Right, right. You, you guys think that these uh, world champion athletes, it could be a baseball player, football, weightlifter, whatever. Do you think most of them have a passion for like, you know, a top level of passion for what they're doing that propels them to become, um, you know, one of the best in the world that, that propels them to be the best that they can possibly be is passion a deep passion like that necessary to become a, a world champion? Do I would nobody, imagine. No, no, nobody casually becomes a world champion. <laughs> no. Right. Right. Maybe in Chile. Well, that's exactly right. And by passion, I mean, I mean, I remember, and you guys will remember the same thing, and it's still kind of the same thing um, with our weightlifting. I mean, when we started weightlifting, I mean, that's all you could ever think about. You know. Girls. Well, yeah, girls, but, but uh, that's all you ever thought about. And you couldn't wait getting to get bigger, in the gym. Get bigger. That was it. Get bigger, man. Get bigger. And getting bigger. Always looking at your arms, always measuring your arms. You know, you couldn't wait to get to the gym. Couldn't wait to get to the next protein shake or meal or, or whatever, so that you could just keep, you know, keep building and building, and building, and getting uh, closer to, uh, to your goals. You know, maybe your goal was an 18 inch arm or whatever um or to be a bodybuilder or power lifter or whatever but that's one of the things these these guys have a deep passion that often starts as a little kid you know i've talked with karwaski and he i think he uh got the passion at like five years old and and uh was from his mother his yeah his mother asked him to pick something up uh, that she brought home from the store and he couldn't do it he's like five and it pissed him off he said he couldn't grip it he couldn't grip it yeah, so that that kind of that and the Incredible Hulk, 
uh, with Lou Ferrigno. I never got into the Trouble Hulk, man. I never got into that. that see, I did too. He inspired a lot of people, man. But I just knew him as the guy Arnold beat his ass in 75 Olympia. Yeah. Well, 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 Kirk and I used to watch that. That got us fired up too. Yeah. So. And, and a lot of superheroes fire people up too, you know. And that's one of them. Yeah, that's right. Or you said something about Rocky. I mean, I remember seeing that oh. at a at a drive-in the first time when I was I was like, well, no, I was probably like nine or eight or something. And man, I was fired up too. I wanted to go home, start I tell you you know, what jumping I did. rope and stuff. Yeah, I tell you what I did. But, I went home. I put on my uh, gray sweatpants and gray sweatshirt, just like Rocky had on. Put on my Chuck Taylor. <laughs> my yeah. mom or sister had a necklace with a cross on it. I stole that. Yeah. Put yeah. it on, so I had to cross like Rocky did, even though it was my sister's. And uh, I ran around around the yard and went over to the football field, ran around like Rocky doing the song and shadow box. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah, that, that movie fired me uh, up like you wouldn't believe. That movie. You know what? what? Seventeen? How old were Eighteen? Younger than that, man. I was like eleven when I saw it. Yeah. Oh yeah, my dad was like okay because my dad always said I had to always act out whatever I was watching and got into. So one time I watched this thing on Valley Forge. And so they had a, they were out there with a fire out in the boonies. And stuff. So I went and got a candle and lit it and sat in the yard. My dad was like, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> now he's Rocky. But imitation, man, that works. I'm not saying you're going to become Rocky, but, you know, uh, anyways, it does, it does help as you get older to pick a mentor and imitate him, you know. But I was imitating him when I was very young. Intense visualization. Yeah. That's a real intense. Well, and then I was acting it out. I did yeah, all kind no, of crazy that's stuff in, like that. Yeah, intense visualization, imagination, deep, deep imagination. Yeah, I did all kind of stuff like that, man. I watched a movie about a guy living in an attic. So I was like, Dad, I want to move to the attic. He's like, Okay, too much. So <laughs> that's great. What a, a bed up there. He put like a cot up there. He knew I wasn't going to stay up in the attic. I mean, it is. <laughs> What raccoons, raccoons and bats and all kind of stuff. And he knew as soon as it got dark, I was coming down. And then meanwhile, a bird flew in and crapped on the bed. So I was like, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm good. He was dying laughing. But I why don't you yeah. why don't we have your dad on and uh so you can oh, tell me and talk with I'm sure there's some stuff you're leaving out. I want to hear all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah, a lot of stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The beginnings of Jimmy Steele. Yeah. <laughs> the attic. Well, I, I think, but the point was, um, you know, I think you'd find most of these, these, uh, these great athletes to have this, this burning passion from a very young age. And uh, it does, it propels you. I mean, if you've got a passion for work, it's, it's like, you're not even working. Uh, you can do anything without passion. I mean, it, I, I, I refuse to. Marty. But I see so many people out there that that I have to do business with or whatever. Oh yeah. And they, they got no passion, man. They got no drive. And it's like it just kind of brings you down. And I always love um running into passionate people, whether it's about products or about business or about life or whatever, whatever they're into, because it's so it's they're so energetic. Um you know, it's it's uh, just so refreshing because there's so many people that don't, aren't, aren't driven out there, aren't passionate about what they do or anything else. So, well, they're just not driven about that job. You know, a lot of people have different passions, you know, that, that well, yeah, like, like they have to do that job. But their passion is, you know, surfing or something like that. So when they're surfing, you know, it's 100 percent. 
and they're yeah. they're just like you described, man. I'm surfing, you know. I'm doing this, right, Marty? It's the, it's people have to do things to do things, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's their passion. Well, and you can have multiple passions. You, yeah, I I, yeah. I, I would say that you, it'd be better to almost have one if you're going to be great at it, though. Yeah. Well, you're passionate about hunting, about weightlifting. What are you passionate more about nowadays? Now that you're a little older, different circumstances. Uh, now, lifting is something I have to do. Yeah. It's it's like a need. I, um, there's a lot of days I don't want to go. I just go anyway, man. Just, screw it. You know, just go anyway. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say I'm most excited from hunting. That's probably my biggest passion. But I don't study it a whole lot and stuff like that. If when I was playing football and stuff like that, I mean, I did some every day to get try to get better, and I was nothing. But I became all American by not bragging at all. I'm just saying I became by by doing that kind of stuff. You know, like uh, focusing a million percent, yeah. watching Randy White videos for hours at a time. I videotaped every single Cowboy game. I'll brag on myself for a while. Every single Cowboy game took out the plays where Randy made great plays or knocked somebody on their ass, put them on beta. You know, I went from VHS to beta and I watched that or other way around, but I watched that tape. I took it to college with me. I watched it every single day, man. There was very few days. You can ask my roommates where I didn't put them. They, they knew everything about Randy White, his mom's <laughs> name, his dad's name, his, you know, where he went to school. Right. Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> Did you reenact uh, stuff that Randy oh, I White thought I was do? Randy White. Oh, I thought I was Randy White. Oh. oh, I imitated everything he did until I realized that imitate. Listen to this, Marty, because it's that Charlie Francis stuff. Imitating yep. the way he ran and his gait made me slower. Yep, that's right. I had to run like I knew how to run. Well, you your know. structure is completely different. Right. right? I'm not six. I wasn't six he's, four. He's six, he's, six, he's six four and long legged. Yeah. And right. But again, you, you had to, you found out, you, you found yes. out by trial and error. You, yes. you, you did it. Yeah. Uh, and that gave you the direct empirical knowledge. No, I have to find my own formulaic approach. Right. Which you did, which you did. Yeah. Jim, Jim, you were open-minded. So you were willing to really search around and try different stuff until you really found what worked for you. I know a lot of people aren't all that open-minded and they find something that just feels comfortable or whatever they insist on keeping with that and won't listen to other stuff that other techniques or whatever that would possibly improve what they're doing. So that's one of the, the great things about uh, one of the things I think that's necessary to become a world champion. You gotta be open-minded. You gotta be willing to, you gotta be flexible, you know, to take the suggestion, especially from your coach, take suggestions and, and cues and all that. And finally, yeah, because if, yeah, because if you're uncoachable, why even have a coach? Yeah, you can't be uncoachable. <laughs> but doesn't make much sense. I could hear Marty, you know, if somebody was listening, okay, well, you do it your way then. You know, okay. uh, yeah, you no, know. actually, we don't have those issues anymore. No, I know, but I'm saying I could hear you if that was, if that was the case. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and that's really what you got. You can't motivate them. You know what I mean? You can't motivate them to be coachable. But if they're not motivated to do it, they're not going to be coachable. It makes it, it just, it's funny. I just avoid them. You just avoid it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get involved with people who are, yeah. If, if we, we've had some lifters who just come over and they want to showcase their talent. And stuff. Oh, everybody wants to get yeah. It's the strangest thing. I was talking to somebody the other day about sparring. Oh, my buddy Billy the cop, and I said, uh, 
he was doing jujitsu and he said, well, how, how do I know? I said, how do you know somebody's not going to be an asshole when you, when you roll with them? You know what I mean? Like, how do you know that somebody knows the, what to do, you know, and not go too hard or whatever, you know, that, that guy who stands out like that, you know, where he's too much. Right. Right. What did right. he say? Oh, he said, you don't, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. You know, and, and the, the instructor has to sort of be on top of him of the of the class but he said nah you don't know steals he calls me steals you you don't know steals you might get an ass and that's like when we boxed when i boxed with the whiz in, in south philly you get some guy I remember i was boxing his cop he was like six five you know i was like hitting the ceiling and and you don't know because whiz doesn't say anything like how hard are we going are we going all out right or are we just testing each other you know, so we sort of sort of jab around, and then all of a sudden he goes, <laughs> now you hit him in the stomach or something. Oh man, my bad, my bad. And he'll knock you in the ropes or whatever. Then you know, okay, this is the speed. This is the speed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what else was there? I mean, you guys got any other unique? No, we're good, man. I think we've wrung it out. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, you know, I, the last thing I want to say on this was a lot of the stuff that we talked about, and there's a lot of uh, foundational um, things here, a lot of um, foundational um, just traits and things like that, that I think uh, intersect, intersect with, you know, if you're a business owner, you're a successful business owner, you're a um, a successful parent, you know, you got a good relationship with your kids and, and all that stuff. Uh, just anything. There's, there's certain things that you just have to have, uh, a firm hold on. And it's, and it's just, you know, things like being committed and, and driven and passionate. And Marty, focused. I'm sorry. Persistence. Think Persistence. about it. Persistence. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other question I wanted to ask, too, because a lot of these guys were so dialed in to what they were doing into their sport. Um, you know, they were world world class athletes, world champions. After retiring, I mean, did many of them apply those skills and and um, and traits to other other things like business uh you know, other things, or did these guys, guys kind of just, uh, you know, retire and just fade away most, uh, most of them? I mean, what did they do? Was there, was there a trend with that, Marty? I mean, did these guys go on? Oh, to I don't do know. Other I don't things? know how to, I don't, I don't know how to answer a generalized question like that. You're, you're asking me to address all of what humanity? I have no idea. <laughs> I, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't keep up. I don't keep up in these. Okay. Very simple. Power lifters, power lifters. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't follow these guys and, and post career and go, Hey, Dan Austin today, he's at <laughs> here and, and Lamar is here. I, I don't, I have no idea. I really well, don't. I thought I, you remained friends with a bunch be, of these guys. No, no, he doesn't have any friends. I, I, yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying, I don't, we don't discuss, Hey, how's okay. your finances doing? What's going on? How, you know, <laughs> what's going on? Well, you laughing, Jim? I, I don't know why you're laughing because I'm I'm being very serious here. I don't. 
delve into these 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 areas you ask a generalized question how are all these great champions doing in, okay in, let me ask jim the, a generalized question life? jim well, you can you, ask, know, you can talk to me and, and and just follow up can you put a finer point you talking about a lifting jp no he's yeah, talking I mean, about are they successful in life after they stop lifting is that uh, the question yeah, I, I, I'm saying I'm saying that a good percentage of these guys were they able to use the things that they they learned, the discipline, uh, that take their passion and go. Once they knew their career was over, they they retired. But, but you see, when you say they, I, I don't know what I don't I don't they know, I don't power know lifters, they. Uh, I don't Gillingham, Krawaski, all these guys. You know, I don't know. I guess each is going to be an individualized case, right? Okay. Yeah, and well, you know, I guess that's a, like Marty was saying before. It's such a short span where you can compete. But it is, and that's my point. Wouldn't it be a waste to throw all that, all the knowledge and everything? Yeah, it's weightlifting knowledge, but it's also skills that you've honed. Like I said you know, discipline and confidence and being driven and all that, it, it just cuts off there. Why yeah, I think you, a lot of the guys, why wouldn't you uh, retire well, Jim and start a business and be wildly successful at that, whether it's selling gym equipment, because, you know, you're already kind of uh, in that line of work uh, or something else. I mean, I think people go on with their lives, you know, like it's like, that was a short span. It's so short, you know, guys, I don't know. Uh, Cone was an exception, right, Marty? He, how long did he go for? Well, I think Eddie went for just short of 20 years. That's a long freaking time. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, most okay. guys are like, but are, anyway, okay. my point is it's just a part of their lives. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I, I power, I wrote it in this article. I just wrote power lifted for like eight years, something like that. 95 to whatever and, and okay so what did you go on to do now you were head strength coach at yeah but it wasn't because at, at i was already a head strength coach you know? yeah, but you you weren't a podcast star like you are now that's so, right see that's right but i just think it's that's so what short I'm talking about. yeah i think it's so short and and nobody gives a shit you know what i mean nobody cares when you're an ex-football player now you use that skill you know? I don't. I don't know right. how my friends from 1992 are doing. Yeah, Marty has. You know, he has me. I call him once a month or something. That's his friend. You know what I mean? I, I have. I Matt have no clue over. how how <laughs> well the people in the wider world are doing. It's not like, something that comes up. Like take Cone for example. You know, Jim just mentioned Cone. He so he he got done with his career, and you know he's out giving seminars and doing workshops and all this stuff all over the world, you know, uh, and he seems pretty damn successful at it. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. He took his passion. He knew his, his career was done. He took his passion, continued it forward. And now he's teaching all these people how to do, you know, uh, yeah. the bench dead and, and squat and all that stuff and doing all sorts of things. I think he's got, I don't know if he's got products, but, uh, he's doing pretty well on social media and all that stuff. He's out there. So that was kind of my point. Um, yeah. You know, it'd be a shame if, if these, a lot of these or most of these guys got done and then it just all ended there and then they go work at, you know, become furniture movers or something. Well, I you think know. there might be a lot of shame out there then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. but see, that's why I wanted to ask you guys. You guys are, have been immersed. I, I understand you don't follow them. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem but, to transfer it, it, uh, into like like an activity. The discipline of the military transfers into your discipline when you get out of the military. You know what I mean? How many, the, yeah, the how many, how many that, great athletes do you know that have transferred and become great business people? I can count them on one hand. Yeah, and in fact, one of the greatest ever, oh, Johnny Unitas, was a failure in every business he tried. And he was the best yeah. quarterback ever for a certain point of time, man. You know, but yeah. that put his – he couldn't well, transfer it over, man. That was it. That's well, got it. Boom, football, Johnny Unitas. Maybe he just never found the right one because, look, if you're – anybody that's successful well, he, is yeah, one he of the best. He didn't lack perseverance. He didn't lack perseverance. He just went on people's handshakes and people's words and like you're supposed to – like you you would think well, people would do their word, but you that, can't do it. That's not today's world. Oh, no question. But this can't do that. But it's still not right. And so he – he had a thing where I'm, you know, right, wrong, win, lose, good guy, bad guy, that kind of thing, you know. So yeah. we want to handshakes. But anyway, um, now yeah. nowadays these guys don't need to do anything afterwards, right, Marty? You got a four forty million dollar, you know. Oh, contract. I don't know. I don't. I don't know about the yeah. pro athletes. I, I am not of that world. Maybe ask right. Mark Davis about that. Jim, Jim I, 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 oh, yeah. I think you. Mike has I, some opinions. I think you're right. I think a lot of these guys are financially set when they get done. Now, I think the ones that are especially driven and passionate, I think they do go forward and do stuff. And the ones that, you know, like look at Alex Rodriguez and all the things that he's doing in business and, and uh, startups and, and all this stuff. He just genuinely has a passion for, for business. And those skills that he honed while he's playing baseball uh, really set the groundwork to be successful in what he's doing now. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but not in powerlifting, though. It's just something about it. It's just. But see, there's still so many. No, you can do it, but there's no money. So many foundational things. Like, I guarantee it's a tough life. Like, Ed, Ed's doing a great job and stuff, but that ain't easy, man. You're flying all over the place. Now you got COVID. You got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's tough. You yeah. It ain't easy. Powerlifting, there's no money. Nobody cares. Right. There's, that's yeah, the there's Nobody cares. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's great. Right. For, I'd love it. But it's just you're done. You're done. Now you better get a job. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, I just wanted to ask you guys about that. Yeah, so, yeah. all right. I uh, I can see that <laughs> we're done with this one. All right. So check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at IamCompany.com. You can find his latest article, "Bouncing Back from Sickness and Injury," on our website now. And that kind of stems from the uh, podcast we had a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. I came on after being sick. And, um, you know, it's not something that we talk a, a whole lot about. But, you know, people that come back from surgery or, or sickness or whatever, they're like, you know, I'm not sure where to start, uh, how to begin, uh, how much stress to put on my body again, just getting back into it. So read that article. It kind of goes through all that stuff. It'll give you some insight. Uh, you can also make sure to check out his Instagram at the Marty Gallagher. And of course, his wife, Stacy, she's got a website. It's functional strength.org. Marty, any comments? All things Gallagher. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, yeah, it's got loaded with all kinds of uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, tons of, tons of information. And uh, again, we approach everything and uh, this bigger wider 
picture is uh, transformational. That's really what it's about. Yeah, uh, and you know, Stacy's knowledgeable too, man. She knows her stuff, you know, especially oh, in yeah. the, uh, Stacy's knowledgeable. She she knows oh, yeah. her stuff with the holistic stuff. That's you know all the herbs and the right thing to eat for your stomach, oh, body well, type, and, and all, or whatever. But uh, and, and and again, it's it's uh, it's self evident in the way she looks. I mean, she looks incredible, and um, it's just it's it's all a result of this the fuel that she puts in her body, and it's 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 pretty pretty cool to see yeah by necessity uh, she became really good at it you know right yes yes yeah. yes 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 very very narrow narrow guardrails jp is your um do you feel normalized you mean recovered yeah yeah wow a care wait a caring moment between these two um oh, i'm curious as to how how i'm doing. since i had covid it's been um Let's see, since, since I first got it, it's been like seven weeks, maybe eight weeks. Uh, and I had, had it pretty bad. As I told you guys, I was in the hospital for three days. Um, it was very respiratory-based. I mean, I was on you oxygen. You had pneumonia before. You had had a pre-existing. <laughs> well, and I had pneumonia. That's the reason I went in the hospital. Uh, you know, no, but I'm saying you're more prone to it because you had it before. I think so. And that was one of the things that I was worried about. Yeah. I, you know, I tried to stay away from getting pneumonia, but it didn't work. But the so the biggest thing for me through this whole thing was respiratory. And um, so... I, I feel like I don't quite have hundred percent lung capacity back yet. Uh, and I'm, and I'm hoping with breathing techniques and things like that, I can get that back. So all in, I'd say I'm recovered probably 90, 95%. Oh, that's, back good. To that's good. That's good. Yeah. You, you need an altitude yeah. training, man. It gives some altitude. Don't they have those need... where they have altitude? Remember Marty, our, our, our special forces friend was telling that story in the, hotel about he had a gym that he could walk in and it made the, the room like it was at a certain altitude mm -hmm. right yeah. right that'll make you breathe hard man that'll get that yeah. lung cleared up get up in that altitude <laughs> you know you gotta push you know, that stuff you got you're done being sick let's get let's get them lungs going you know how's the weird body, thing about how's your body weight body weight is uh let's see 259 260 wow I'm trying to stay right there. And what were you when you got out of the hospital? Well, when I first got this, I was 290. Damn, dude. You you throwing away your clothes? It's funny. Last you like weekend. Guys, are you like one of those guys that wear the big tent shirts and you know you no, no, no. Well, no. I mean, a lot of times I don't like tight fitting stuff. I, I like to shift well, around and be able to. That's crazy. Yeah, 30 pounds. Well, I told I told my wife last weekend, I said, you got to take me to the mall because I don't know where the mall is. <laughs> so she takes me to the mall. I said, I said, I got to get new clothes, man. Uh, I went in the Tommy Bahama. I love the the uh, silk shirts and stuff. Oh, God. So and when I first started wearing those shirts back in the day, they were 3X. Then I went down to 2X. Yeah. And I went in there, I, I walked away with uh, some extra larges and I got, I said, you got to be kidding me. They must run huge because 260 is going into an extra large, but it fits yeah, nice. Yeah, well, people are bigger now. Extra larges have gotten bigger, but I don't know if you want to go off on this, but yeah, the extra larges definitely got bigger. <laughs> ah, 
So anyway, so Marty, yeah, I'm 90, 95%. I'm feeling good. I'm going to try to stay at, at 260. Um, I've cleaned everything up. I've reduced my God, calories. You feel so much better. Tell us how you feel, like your knees and your hips and all that. What about well, joints feel? Because you must be eating well. Not You're not eating every two hours with all the starches, right? No, no, I've you know, I'm trying to, I've cut my protein down. I, you know, when I was 290, I was trying to get at least a gram per pound of body weight. Yeah, of remember what Rick said, protein. It's, you need even less and it's a per pound of lean body weight. If you've done your body fat. Yeah. yeah. So body my goal is to get 30 grams of protein six times a day, you know, spread out like very reasonable. Three, three hours or whatever. So I think that's not overloading. I think that's, cutting down a, a good bit from what I was. Um, I just cut the calories down, cut the portions down. I'm hungry. You and I had that discussion. It's like, you know, I, I haven't been hungry in years because you're always <laughs> two or three hours. You're going, okay, let's stuff ourselves again. But um, this is better. No, I feel I first noticed it when I was going up the stairs at the gym. I was like, oh, either I'm stronger or I'm lighter. You know, because I'm going up these stairs a little bit easier. Um, and the other thing was, and laugh all you want, you know, when you're up about 290 or so, it gets a little tough to tie your shoes because you you got, and sometimes you don't know you got shoes because you haven't seen your feet in so long, right? I was a size 46 <laughs> at 312. Size 46. Uh, at at yeah. 290, I, yeah, right yeah. I was a, I was a 44. Four, I think Damn. So I, went, I went down to 40s though all of a sudden yeah, yeah. I haven't worn those in years so anyway it's it was it was a bad experience on one hand doing all this going through all this yeah. but on the other hand you know it kind of um if you it, say it gave you a new lease on life I'm leaving if, Go ahead. well well, no, it forced me into doing some things that I should have been thinking about yeah, years ago. No, it did give you a new lease on life. Yeah. I feel I feel better. And the thing is, too, when you get sick that that bad, you you gain a different perspective for things uh, like weighing 290. You go, what the hell am I weighing 290 at 50? We try to tell you, stupid. Hey, it's the same thing with the Ryan Chow thing. We try to tell you, you need to drop some weight if you ain't going to be doing it for a reason. Anyway, you get a moment of clarity when you're all goofed up like that. So uh, I'm turning it into a positive thing, you know? Good. Yeah, that's good. good. That's what good. I've chosen to do. Yeah, well, you're getting the fats in there, though, right? The healthy fats. Well, yeah, you know, I'm having uh, salmon and all that stuff. Oh, good. Avocado. Gotta have some avocado. Avocado. Love that stuff. Yeah. Seafood. Don't forget seafood. The shrimp. I got some of that. Yeah. So anyway, so Marty, sorry, that, that was my... Uh, that was my swerve. Um, I was waiting for the violins to start. To... Good. No, no, good. Yeah, That's good, kidding, buddy. Kidding. Anyway, good. Um, for uh, visit visitironcompany.com for all your powerlifting and bodybuilding equipment needs. Need a custom height squat rack? Uh, how about custom cut rubber mats or private labeling for your platforms, free weights, or other equipment? Check out Iron Company for the best pricing and service on quality gym equipment. And uh, we've got Jim Steele articles. They can be found at Iron Company also. Um, just go to the article section at the top. Jim's got his own section. He's a big shot now. So uh, we had to give him his own section. Marty's got his own picture, that curling. <laughs> with the uh, Yeah. Or, isn't it? Cross core? 
Well, you had some oil on there, some spray on you, didn't you? No, no. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, your hair was all quaffed and everything. That's a you know good set of pictures, man. Yeah, well, he looked good. He had a nice beard. Was that with Duquesne? Was that from Duquesne? Uh, I think so. Yeah, he did a whole yeah, spread on you. I got like a booklet with you in it or something. Yeah. Well, we did a cross core book. Yeah. 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 Hey, I know that guy. That's that mean Irish guy. Look at him smiling and stuff. <laughs> He's, he, 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 somebody dragged him uh, from his uh, perch lair. on the mountain there, his lair uh, in the mountains. Um, and then, Jim, you've got a, uh, well, I, I think this is your best article ever, at least that you've given us. Um, it's called Powerlifting Training and Competition. Kind of talks about how you got into to weightlifting yeah. and your goals that you set early on and that yes. you accomplished. And it's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. The best part is the vomiting up to my hardest workout ever, Marty. I had to do six ten for five sets of six in the squat. And it was in, it was in the power pit in Cocoa, Florida. I love that gym. Loved it. It was a bunch of cops who never came in there. They owned the place. They were cool. Nobody messed around. And it was old school, like rusty kind of stuff. Yeah. And I threw up after the second set, the third set, and maybe the fourth. It was the hardest thing I ever did. I mean, you know, rushing the passer and all that, and then run down fields hard. But this took everything I got. My I sweated so much. I was so fat. And I sweated so much that it split the, the bottom of my squat suit. It got so wet. <laughs> wow. By my, God, by my last rep of my, I think it was a total good morning, but uh -huh. I got it. I got it. Right. And I was sore for a solid week, like sore, like yeah. can't, can't take a crap. Right. right. But Couldn't move. The next time I squatted, I did 650 for three set of three. Like it was nothing. Went to 690, 740. That workout set like this foundation, man. It was so right. freaking. It's what, I'll remember that to the day I die, man. I mean, the, right. and then I remember the, the one guy that was working behind a desk goes, oh, I'll, I'll clean it up. I said, no, nah, man, I got it, man. I got it. Because it was like, <laughs> I mean, it was three sets of pute. You know? Oh, God. Just uh, all yeah. over the place. Like there was no, there was no organization to it whatsoever. It just flew everywhere. Oh no! No, I was in the in the trash can, but I was, I, was, <laughs> I didn't want to have to take it out. You know? No. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, that was uh, that's in the article, so I just ruined that part. But I love telling that story. And I remember I had the high school kids who lifted with me. One's a lieutenant colonel in the army now. Um, the other was an airborne ranger. So I don't know what kind of example I set for them kids, but. Um, I remember them cheering me on, man, but not like yelling like fake shit because there wasn't anybody in the gym. They were like, come on, coach, you can do, you got one more. And they were wrapping my <laughs> knees. They were wrapping my knees for me, you know? Oh, man. Uh, I would great. do one and they would, one of them would do the other. And I didn't care. Just wrap it up. This is six, 10, five, six, six. Like, and I, I think about that today. It's like, it's nuts that you did stuff like that. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you did it and, and tried it and uh were successful now you have those beautiful memories right yeah i wonder if that gym's still there you know you think about the old gyms that you so i moved around so much as a coach i went i had i had new gyms in every city and i always yeah. picked the rank the rankest bull man i mean the right right the, right yeah and then that's those are the dudes that i always got along with the biker dudes are the guys i always got along with right. the guys that lifted in their jeans and shit and, and stuff and had the beards and then you had your powerlifting corner and there wasn't any bodybuilders. I mean, you, there'd be bodybuilders, but you, they didn't want you to know they were body. You know, they were lifters, man. They wanted to lift. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Jim, I think that's our cue to get off of here. But uh, one more yeah. thing. 
go to bossbarbell.com. That's B-A-S barbell.com. That's Jim's site. All kinds of stuff on there, unique articles uh, that we don't have up or anything like that. Hunting stuff, all kinds of craziness going on. So uh, check that out. And uh, that's it, guys. I enjoyed this, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. All right. See you. Bye. Bye.